This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. There is no end to how different things are today than they even were 20 years ago. Things I know I certainly never thought I would see in my lifetime are now happening every single day. When I was young, in fact, I was in junior high school, we had a class called sex education. I have no idea if they still have that today, and if they do, I'm sure I don't want to know what they're teaching. Anyway... Long, long ago when I was young, (laughs) it was a pretty straightforward answer when the question was asked, where do babies come from? But I do remember in 1978 when the news of what was then called the very first test tube baby hit the headlines. Now, interestingly enough, that was not actually the first baby that was successfully born through this method. That actually happened in the U.S. in 1884. But it was the first that was widely publicized, and it was, of course, one of the wildest stories most people had ever heard. And I remember there was so much controversy surrounding it that many people never expected it to be a common occurrence of any kind. And even though back then there were legal and ethical questions galore about the rightness of it, um, today it is said that there's about 8 million babies who have now been born worldwide through IVF. And what initially started as an effort to help infertile married couples conceive, it has evolved beyond what many people perhaps even ever expected in that participants don't even have to know each other today. And it has become a valid medical practice as the stigma of infertility has largely been eliminated. Now, listen, let me be clear. This is not a post or a podcast about the rightness or wrongness of IVF. In fact, I personally know more than one family who have engaged in the practice, some within my own family. So this is not some kind of judgment or indictment of any kind. The truth is, There are a number of ways that babies are born and come into this world today, which is not different from what it was in the Bible. I was thinking about that and what babies represented in the Bible, because then they often were not just the thing you do when you're married, but children, babies, seed, as they were called, was often tied to destiny and promise. And even in the Bible all those years ago, women went about conceiving and having children in multiple ways. Some that would be scandalous now, and one that was even scandalous then. I think about Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham. I know you remember that story in Genesis chapter 15. God spoke to Abraham. He was Abram at the time and promised him not just a son, 
but descendants that would number as many as the stars in the sky. And when he got this promise, he was already 75 years old and Sarah would have been 65 and they had no children. So after 10 more years of trying to make this happen, Sarah finally comes up with a plan to give her Egyptian maid Hagar to her husband as a wife with the plan that when she had a baby, Sarah would just claim it as her own. Now, who could not see that that was a disaster waiting to happen? Anyway, she gets pregnant, delivers a son for Abram, and he's called Ishmael. And by now, Abram is 86 years old. Okay, 13 years pass, and God visits Abram again and renews the word of the covenant. That's when he changed his name from Abram to Abraham and lets him know, hey, by the way, the son that you already have is not the heir that I promised. Even though both Abraham and Sarah were in agreement when they decided to help God fulfill his promise, God completely bypassed the fruit of their efforts and went about giving the gift he promised in the way that he originally planned, which was a second son given to Sarah called Isaac. Then in 1 Samuel, there's a story of Hannah and Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives and the one he loved the most, which was Hannah, was barren. Now, clearly, they had tried all their own effort to produce a child, but to no avail. And to make matters worse, the other wife, Panina, who had children, harassed her constantly. In fact, the Bible says in verse 6, she would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. There's no indication that the Lord promised Hannah a child as he had promised Abraham, but it was the desire of our heart to have one. And though I am sure she could have come up with a plan, just like Sarah did, she took a different route and she poured out her heart in intimate, vulnerable brokenness before the Lord. And she made him a promise. In verse 11, she said this, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and forget not your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. She made this vow to the Lord when she and her husband were at the temple bringing their annual sacrifice. And the Bible says they woke up the next morning and worshiped the Lord and went home. And this time, when she and her husband came together, God remembered her and she conceived a son. And she did exactly what she said. After she took the time to wean the child, she took him right back to the temple and she left him there. The very gift that God gave her, she gave right back to him. And then there's Mary, 12 or 13 years old, and she didn't ask for a thing. In fact, I'm sure she didn't even see that thing coming. She was already engaged to her husband, but God chose her. He overshadowed her by his spirit, and she carried and gave birth to the human manifestation of God himself. That story still trips my brain out. Anyway, Mary had no designs for the son that she would bear. There was no plan or covenant that she could make with God himself, about himself, and what his life would look like. All she could do was magnify him in humble obedience, and that's what she did. So three different mothers, three different sons, three different destinies. 
we're all in different stages in our life. And it's, it's very likely that we all want very different things for very different reasons. But if we are Christian, all of those pursuits and desires should be pointing to God, period. I mean, I, I shouldn't have to say that, but I feel like in this time we live in, I do. He is everything. He is all in all, and it's all about Him. And no matter what stage you are at in your life, know that He will faithfully pursue His own purpose for your life. Not necessarily yours, but most certainly He'll fulfill His. So, if you have a promise from God and you've been waiting for what seems like forever to see it come to pass, be careful that you don't create an Ishmael while you wait. Even though it may look like God's promise, it will never bring the fulfillment of his inheritance. If you genuinely and sincerely just want to do something meaningful for God, there's no better example than Hannah. Intimacy brokenness and vulnerability with God is the soil in which miracles are born. But on the front end, you should know that the miracle you seek may be required of you. In other words, the price you pay to receive the miracle may indeed be the miracle itself. And if you're young or if you have not spent much sincere time on this journey with God, there's really only one thing you need to be focused on. When the angel of God, Gabriel, came to Mary to announce that she would bear the Christ, he said this, you have found favor with God. And here's the cool thing about that word and how it connects us all to that virgin birth. That word that the angel used for favor is the same word that Paul used in his letter to the Ephesians for grace. It's only two places in the New Testament. And in chapter 1, verse 6 in the New Living Translation, it says this, So we praise God for the glorious grace or favor He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. So what does that mean? There is no striving that needs to happen in order for God to birth something amazing and miraculous in us and through us. Because when He infused the totality of himself into that seed that he then planted into that virgin. All of us who have accepted his sacrifice have received the same favor and the same grace from him. So our prayer only needs to be, make me a faithful and trustworthy son or daughter. Because All of the miraculous grace and favor and fulfilled promises of God are of little value if not coupled with obedience and surrender. Even after the promise is given, you have to know that it was God's gift to give and it is God's to take away or do with as he pleases. Everything belongs to him and everything is about him. So just make a commitment today to faithfully steward every gift, every talent, every blessing you already have been given. Despise not what you consider small or unimportant, whether you want or like or appreciate your gift or not. Don't hide it. Don't dismiss it. Don't diminish it. But give your all For him today, 
and live boldly out loud.